Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Lovecast. Uh, this is Jordan. Max is out for these next two pods. He's on vacation. So today we have some great segments for you all. Uh, we're going to start with our Heat and Celtics game one previews, and then we go right into our live reactions from right after the game. And then we're going to jump into a talk about the future of the Suns after they just got beaten by the Mavericks, if their championship window is open or closed, and what could potentially happen with DeAndre Ayton. So yeah, just, just NBA today. Uh, it's a good pod, fun pod. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right, we're back. We are here to talk some Celtics versus Heat game one. Um, joined today by the Gambling Couch podcast members, Justin and Connor Butts. Uh, Justin, first time on the pod. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. I'm excited to talk some Celtics. Good. So, okay. Uh, Happy to this. have you. Buttsy, how are you feeling? Uh, thank you for having me. It's always good to be back. Uh, feel great. First episode went up today. Um, hopefully it's getting some good listens, good downloads, but no, I'm really looking forward to getting into this game. Good stuff. All right. Um, Justin, I'll start with you since you're uh, the newbie here. Uh, give me uh, your key factor tonight. Uh, what's going to play a big role in this game one Celtics versus Heat? Yeah, um, I think the obvious thing is going to be the time in between games. Um, this is something Connor and I touched on a little bit yesterday in a in our episode, um, Celtics obviously with a very short turnaround from their from their first series, or sorry, second series, um, and the Heat have had a lot more time, um, so I think that might prove to be a big factor. But also something that within the last couple hours, um, some big news with both uh, Al Horford and I believe Marcus Smart is actually out at this point too. Yep. Um, obviously, those are two huge pieces um, for the Celtics. So. Um, that's definitely going to change how they're going to have to play and um, overall, you know, could, could shift the, the outcome of this game for sure. Yeah. So with, with smart and Al being out, um, they, the heat have Lowry out, which uh, I don't know, he hasn't been playing great for them, but he is still a starter and their point guard. So um, I think, you know, smart now, Rob Will's going to be playing heavy minutes tonight. Uh, we're going to see what he can do coming off his injury. Um, gonna have to battle with Bam, and then I really think uh, Derek White is gonna have to play a game if, if the Celtics want to win this. Um, he's gonna have to take over that Marcus Smart role. Uh, who knows if he'll be able to, but we'll see. Yeah, those two guys to me are gonna be the two to step up. Butsy, what do you got? So, yeah, no, I, I think Justin made a great point about the time in between games, and I know we talked about that a lot on the podcast last night, uh, when it comes, comes to the heat spread, and I think that you know, the, the Celtics not having a lot of time off really translated into guys being out tonight. Um, you know, smart with, you know, kind of a game time decision, you know, ruled out with the foot injury. Al's supposed to miss the first two games coming out of nowhere. So I think, I really think that the game, the time in between games is really hurting us right now. Um, but my X factor or my factor uh, for the Celtics in order to keep this game close is going to be the play uh, from Jalen Brown tonight. I know on the pod last night that I don't think he's going to have a great game, but in order for the Celtics to win, he is going to have to have a great game. I think Tatum uh, is going to get his regardless. I think he's going to get his 25, 30, no problem. It's whether Jalen Brown can get to his 25. I don't think he can, but that's just my X factor. That's my, you know, if he, if he gets 25, the Celtics are still in the game and have a decent shot of winning. Yeah. I mean, tough matchups everywhere you look for the Celts. Uh, these teams actually just match up really well. Uh, both great defenses, great wing defenders. 
Yeah, so Justin, uh, Jimmy Butler's been playing out of his mind uh, in these playoffs so far, averaging 28, uh, upping his shooting percentages, his numbers all around from the regular season. He's, he's having a great postseason. Um, do you see that continuing in this series, or do you think the Celtics' defense is, is that legit and we can kind of uh, bring him back down to earth? Yeah, um, I mean, I think he's obviously going to be facing uh, a much more formidable opponent, especially on the defensive end. Um, with the Celtics, you know, um, in their previous series versus the Sixers, they, uh, I think, kind of, they obviously lucked out with Embiid being in and out of the lineup um, and that team just not being as strong defensively. So, I mean, I, I think we'll we'll see him tone down a little bit, but, I mean, I think we're all fully capable, or we all know what what, uh, what Jimmy's fully capable of, um, and he's going he's gonna to shine in the big moments, so. You know, I'm not going to be surprised if he has those kind of big games. Um, he's yeah. just one of those guys that's going to rise to the occasion, um, regardless of the team that that he's playing against. So, I think I think we'll see him be held to to um, some smaller games, but you know, not going to be surprised if he doesn't if he doesn't shine. Yeah, I mean the the thing that's super interesting too about Jimmy is uh, he's not known to be a great three point shooter, and he's just been shooting the lights out these playoffs. I think that is one area that we're going to see start to dip. I don't know if his points will see a huge dip, but I do think the Celts will be able to uh, lock down on him on uh, shooting threes. Um, but yeah, but see something else I wanted to touch on Tyler hero uh, average 20 this year, one six man of the year. He's been huge for the heat, but he's really struggled in these playoffs. Um, what do you see uh, going forward for him this series? I think he's going to have to have a great series if the heat, want a chance. Um, I think, um, you know, kind of just talking about general offense, defense game plan for the Celtics. I think it's completely different than what they've been having to do. Uh, when you play in the nets, you have KD, when you're playing the bucks, they have Giannis where it's more superstar focused. You can really focus on locking down a superstar, um, but the heat have so many role players, better role players than both the nets and the bucks. So it's going to be different. It's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics attack that defensively. Um, but I wonder what, Hero will be able to do. Who's going to be guarding him? Uh, is he going to be able to get by guys? He, I know he hasn't been playing great, but I do expect him to uh, step it up a little bit because we know that he's that caliber of player. Um, he's you know shown flashes that he can put up 30 in a playoff game, but he hasn't been playing tremendously. But I do see him playing uh, fairly well this series. And I do see him probably being the reason that the Celtics could lose a game or two. No question. Yeah, I mean – I also think Smart being out uh, is huge for Hero because that's, you know, that's kind of a perfect matchup for Smart and a, and a nightmare matchup for Tyler. But, yeah, I mean, uh, this is going to be an interesting game. We covered everything we wanted to for a little quick preview. Uh, we're going to be right back uh, to react to the game and give you guys some more stuff. So go Seas. Okay, we're back after game one of Celtics versus Heat. Uh, we all know how it went. We're joined now by Andrew Feigenbaum. Justin O'Neill and Connor Butts. Um, Butts, I'm going to start with you. What were your uh, takeaways from the game? Um, the only takeaways that I can really take from the game uh, is the third quarter. It's two numbers you guys need to know. 14 to 39. The Celts got outscored by 25 points in the third quarter. And besides that, they won every single quarter. Um, the third quarter was the reason we lost the game. Uh, but I think with Smart and with Al, uh, mainly with smart that quarter never happens uh, we had eight or nine turnovers i believe it was eight um and basically gave the heat the game we said hey here's the game can't fucking lose it now um 
but we we played phenomenal for three quarters or three quarters total and um just you can't get outscored by 25 points in a quarter honestly Tatum got outplayed by uh, Jimmy. He wasn't the best player on the floor. Uh, Tatum also turned the ball over seven times. Uh, dude, he's in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, he should be playing. He's got a higher ceiling than Jimmy. He's got to be playing better than Jimmy. But Jimmy just has that it factor, and he's able to kind of find that extra level when he gets to the playoffs. I think he's averaging like eight or nine extra points in the playoffs compared to what he does in the regular season. Um I don't know. I don't believe that Marcus Smart being there maybe changes that completely because I don't necessarily consider Smart the best ball handler. I feel like he's a little sloppy with it. I mean, defensively, yes, but I don't believe defensively was the Celtics' greatest problem. I feel like it was holding on to the ball, and I feel like they just didn't have enough outside of Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, I mean, I think I like the point about Smart is not necessarily – not necessarily ball handling, but more leadership and slowing the game down, um, things like that, trying to control turnovers. I know Smart doesn't take the best shots. He turns the ball over himself sometimes, but I think just having a leader like that uh, could definitely make a difference. Maybe not change the entire game, but um, obviously we're better with Smart. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with the the take, the take about Jimmy and Tatum. I mean, Jimmy went to a different level tonight, 12 for 19, 41 points. Um, Tatum had a great first half and came out in the second half. He wasn't aggressive enough. Uh, he didn't take enough shots, didn't, didn't get involved enough. Um, and then in terms of Jalen, I mean, he had a big fourth quarter, but in my opinion, it was way too little too late. Like not a good game from Jalen. The stat sheet won't show it, but he, he had a really bad first three quarters and then kind of turned it on, uh, when we were, you know, down 13 to 15. So, um, yeah, Justin, uh, what were your takeaways? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the obvious answer is to say that the Celtics kind of gave it away in the third quarter, um, obviously getting destroyed in that in that uh, time of the game with turnovers and, and all that. But I think this is also just a good reminder of, like, how good the Heat really are. Um, and, guys, obviously, Jimmy with the 40 ball. Um, but other guys, like, we saw like Gabe Vincent hit big shots. Max Strews hit big shots down the stretch. Like they got a lot of guys that can hit big shots in big moments. Um, and then on the other end of the floor, like they're making plays on the defensive end uh, throughout the entire game. Um, we saw like Bam wasn't really that involved offensively, but he had some huge blocks, like very timely blocks that definitely changed the momentum of the game. So I think like, while the Celtics were in control in the first half leading up to that third quarter, um, you know, the Heat are still obviously a great team and they're here for a reason. So I think that definitely like shouldn't be discounted. The one thing I will add to is like, just like a reminder that like it wasn't the Celtics are coming off of a game seven. It's like incredibly hard to come out strong uh, after a game seven, really long, tough physical series. Um, but they're in for another similar tough physical series with the Heat. The Heat can, like, play a defensive lineup with five, like, quality defensive players on the floor. And having a guy like P.J. Tucker really is, like, is a game changer because he can pretty much just do his thing. Having a guy that can just muck it up and play on your best guy and just leave him in the corner. Uh, and he's going to knock down those threes. This is going to be kind of a game changer. So it'll be interesting to see how the Celtics respond. But 
I think that definitely Al Horford as well being out, he played really, really well. Um, having that, like, another guy that can hit a three and just be kind of reliable on the defensive end, um, especially because he – I wouldn't say he's like a good matchup against Bam, but it's more of like a equal matchup. Uh, yeah, I think that um, everything you said, Foggy, there is valid. I just want to touch on something that I said earlier in the podcast before the, we watched the game, um, and that was the importance of the Heat role players. Um, I think that they are – we know that they are way better than uh, both the role players for the Nets and the Bucks, and that was going to be a problem the Celts had to deal with. Gabe Vincent and Max Struess probably hit combined maybe four threes that Justin Jordan and I were sitting on my couch and were like, fuck, that's the game because they just kept putting it on ice. They kept, um, they kept it out of reach for us. They kept it out of striking distance. Uh, that combined with Jimmy getting, I think he shot maybe 19 free throws, something like that. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, we can argue all day about the rest, but you can't really blame them at the end of the day. Um, but no, I, I, the Heat role players played phenomenally, and I think that if they continue to play well, the Celts ha- have a really big problem to deal with. Yeah, I, I do think um, Jimmy did get – some calls that he was he's not going to get for the rest of the series. He's not going to shoot however many foul shots he shot tonight. He shot a ridiculous amount. Um, but, you know, that that doesn't matter. I mean, he, he outplayed us. Uh, I do want to point out a bright spot for the Celts. Robert Williams coming back was really nice to see, especially the first half, um, shooting five for five. I mean, that's just so huge for us. And the way he played on defense, being that lob threat, you can tell he's just – Having him on the court makes us a different team compared to having Tice and even Al on the floor on offense because um, the way he gets offensive rebounds and the way we can just throw up the ball to him. Um, I really hope he stays healthy. He, it seems like he got banged up at the end, but we really need him in this series uh, going forward. I was actually uh, about to make the same point. I think as a Celtics fan, it was great to see Rob out there um, playing at a high level. And and with a high efficiency on the offensive end, I think at one point he was like five, five, six or six. I don't know if he finished 18 points, whatever it was, um, active on the defensive end, blocking shots. Um, I also think uh, on, the, on a positive note as a Celtics fan, uh, I know we talked about it during the game, like while the Celtics did uh, end up losing by uh, a double digit margin, I believe, like. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like the heat are a much better team or even a better team. Um, obviously not having smart, not having Horford, like the two uh, veterans for the Celtics, like um, is a big thing and coming off of game seven. Like I think the Celtics moving forward should not really be worried about anything. And I'd still um, say confidently that the Celtics can pull out the series. Um, but yeah, definitely seeing Rob back was great. I think his play was um, very noticeable in the first half. He really, was the reason that we were up eight. Uh, we didn't see a lot of him in the third quarter for whatever reason. And obviously in the fourth quarter, he looked like he got a little tweaked up. Um, but no, I think you summarized it perfectly to what I was going to make too. Uh, the argument I was going to make that the Celtics are okay in this series. Um, I know we talked about this after the game, like you said, stops, but you know, I'm, as a Celtics fan, we're down Oh one, but I'm not really concerned. Uh, we won every single quarter. We had one terrible quarter with eight turnovers. We made, I think three or four field goals, maybe not even that many. Um, but it's, it's one quarter. We're one quarter away from winning that game. Even if we lose that quarter, we can still win the game. So um, I'm not really too concerned. I think we could steal game two. And if we steal game two, I see us confidently winning two on our own um, on the home floor. And then we have a game five in Miami. So I really hope for a 3-1 uh, seriously going back to Miami. That would be my objective. And I, and I don't see why it can't happen for the Celtics. Uh, I think the interesting thing 
that I'm looking forward to see is who's going to step up as the third score for the Celtics. Um, the way the Heat play defense compared to the way the Bucks play defense, it's a very different style. I know that you know they're going with a more of a approach where they wanted to double Tatum, and that offered Grant Williams a lot of open looks in the corner, and you know Grant Williams took advantage of it, especially on a guy like Brook Lopez because he's not necessarily the most athletic guy. So I think the Celtics need a third guy to step up. I think the Heat have a are a little bit deeper in terms of their role players, especially right now with Smart and Horford out. Um, but Horford's not coming back for next game. I don't know the status of Smart. Um, and But regarding a Smart, you want his efforts on Jimmy to slow down Jimmy. Um, so that's not really someone you're relying on as a third score. So whoever has to step up. I mean, Pritchard had 18, but he wasn't incredibly efficient. There weren't a lot of people. There wasn't really anyone that shot over 50% except Robert Williams, and even he is only like a 10-point-per-game score. So they're going to have to get the points from somewhere. Yeah, that that's definitely a good point. Um, we'll see going forward. I mean, we, we, we are um, deep enough that I think we don't need, you know, just one guy to be our third scorer. It can be any given game type of thing. It could be a Grant Williams game, a Rob Williams game, a Smart game, a Horford game. I think it'll it'll be more like that, more than you know, just one guy stepping up throughout the series. But um, just to to close out this segment, I have a question for you guys. So, uh, whoever wants to answer this first, I just want to ask, uh, what did this game tell you about the series, and did this game at all change your prediction for the series? I think uh, what all of us are thinking, and we kind of touched on it before. Um, I don't think the Celtics should really be worried. I think this is a good game to kind of settle in and realize what the Heat have to offer. And, you know, they got a 40-point game out of Jimmy in the first game. Um, and also they allowed 118 points, and that's a lot of points for the Celtics to give up. So uh, I don't really think this changes anything, honestly. Um, I think it's just a good game for the Celtics to settle in. I mean, I, I think, like, as I said earlier, like it was a game seven uh, they, they, that they just came off of. They weren't expected to win this game. They were already kind of undermanned. However, I will say that the Heat have a, like a, like more firepower than the Bucks that they had just faced. Um, so it, it will be tough. Like as much as everyone likes to, and the Celtics did play very good defense. Um, it was a very undermanned Bucks team that needed to rely on a lot of threes from a lot of guys like Brook and. Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton. So they're going to have to hunker down on defense against some of these guys, but I still think it's going to be a long, long series. Uh, my thing with the Celtics here uh, and, you know, the game one result tonight is that it just gives Miami a game in hand, right? So now the Celtics, in order to win this series, I feel like they need to play mistake free, right? They can't offer, they can't give Miami another game like they gave the Bucks one possibly you can argue two games in the series right you know someone on ESPN was arguing that the series should be an over at 4-1 because the Celtics choked away two games but I, I think this game doesn't really speak to how the series is going to go uh, as a whole I still believe the Celtics are going to win this series because they are the better team but I just think it gives the Celtics less room for error um, throughout the series I think if they choke away a game I think that could mean a game seven in Miami which you know that's a fucking tough game to win so I think they need to take care of business on the home floor. I think they need to take care of business on Thursday, which I believe they can. They haven't proven, you know, show me why they can't. 
So, but, you know, it just gives Miami another game that we have to be worried about down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I agree. I think um, that was, like Justin said, a, a good game for us just to settle in. I, we, don't, we don't have our full squad. So, um, uh, I do think game two is a big game. If we can steal that one, I'll feel a lot more confident. But uh, I still got the Celtics seven here. That game didn't change my prediction at all. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about um, – the Suns and their future with Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, some drama there. Okay, we're back with some Suns talk. Uh, they just got eliminated by the Mavericks. Um, it seemed like this was the best year for the Suns and Chris Paul to win. The, the league was wide open. Um, and going forward, there's you know teams like the Warriors, Dallas, Denver, Memphis, Clippers, all improving, getting healthier. Um, and the Suns are, you know, Chris Paul's only getting older. We got that drama with DeAndre Ayton, so... I'm just going to ask the field. Um, do you guys think the, the Suns championship window is completely closed? Yeah, um, I, I think it is. I think they had two years where they could have won it, where they had two years where they were the favorites, and they didn't get it done either year. Uh, you can contribute to that whatever you want. Um, Chris Paul, whatever, Giannis having his fucking insane you know, finals run. But either way, I, I think the window's closed. I don't think they're going to be able to keep everybody. I don't think they'll be able to come back with the same or a better squad. Um, and, and they have a Chris Paul curse. I, I hate to say it, but Chris Paul's on their team and, and they haven't fucking won a, a ring, you know, two years in a row where you're the favorite and you're the fucking built team. Um, I, I don't understand how they haven't won his finals yet. Um, I think it's a Chris Paul curse. I, I got to chime in on this Chris Paul slander here because you know, some of the greatest players ever that have ran through, you know, their generations in any sport, you know, some haven't won rings. I mean, Chris Paul was in an era where, you know, some of his best players, look at his best players around him. Like one of them was a dunk champion that can't even play in the league anymore. Just can't shoot. James Harden, who let's be honest, doesn't take the greatest care of his body. And now it's Devin Booker, who I think it's pretty apparent. He's a two. He's not a one. In my opinion, I think he's a two. Um, but they're in a little bit of trouble, and it doesn't. Aiden's probably not coming back. Um, if they, they'll either sign in and trade him, or obviously he goes somewhere else. But now they need to rely on guys heavily, like Bridges and Cam Johnson. They have to get better. They used to be a luxury where they were role players. Now they have to be integral parts of their team. And those are the years you normally need to maximize when you're not paying them anything, when they're young, when they are those role players. So it'll definitely be a shift, but boy, it's definitely going to be a little, uh, a little different. And as Jordan said, a lot of teams are improving. I personally don't know because I don't know what they're going to do. And it's pure speculation, but I think you can kind of, uh, it's kind of a wait and see to see what they end up doing. Yeah, um, we're going to get into the eight and scenarios in, in a little bit, but I do want to chime in on the Chris Paul curse because, um, I don't know, I, I, I think it's more about the health than it is um, the player. And Max touched on this a lot, but that year with James Harden where they lost to the Warriors and Chris Paul got hurt, I genuinely believe they would have won that series with, with a fully healthy Chris Paul. And also, I mean, I, I can't say, you know, he hasn't had the rosters because – the Clippers were good teams. They, sh- they, and they never got out of the second round. You know, I, I know Blake's not the best player, but they had good rosters. They have to at least get to the conference finals. And then this year, like, I, 
I can't, you know, you have to put some blame on CP. He just has to play better than that. Um, and I, I get your point about Devin Booker. He didn't play well either, but man, like Chris Paul, it was a disappearing act. Like they, he's the team goes with Chris Paul and, and he went. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we can get into now what they should do with the future. So there's a lot of drama going on with DeAndre Ayton. Um, said he didn't feel valued by the team. Got into it with the coach, Monty Williams. Um, he he thinks he deserves a max. Doesn't seem like the Suns want to give it to him. Um, so I'm just going to run you guys through real quick some sign-and-trade scenarios, uh, which I think the Suns will un- end up doing because I really don't think they're going to want to let him walk. Um, first of all, the first one that intrigued me that I saw is they could sign-and-trade Aiton for Christian Wood and Eric Gordon um, with the Rockets. So they get Christian Wood, uh, much better shooting big man. Eric Gordon, good wing, good shooter. Um, pretty intriguing there. Um, the other one that really intrigued me is a sign and trade. You swap Ben Simmons and DeAndre Ayton. Now, this one, I could see the Nets doing this. I think Ayton would actually be a really good fit on the Nets. They have absolutely no big man. Um, I think I, I really like that trade for both sides. Uh, the Suns getting a defender and another playmaker. I mean, and just getting something for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and then the last scenario, very far-fetched. The Suns could go all in for Anthony Davis. It would be something like this. DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Landry Shamit, and two future first-rounders. Um, I think the Lakers would, would like this too. They need a guy like Cam Johnson. They need a wing, a shooter. Um, same with Shamit. Shamit gives you shooting, uh, and DeAndre Ayton gives you some of what Anthony Davis could give you uh, with a much healthier body. So of those three scenarios, do you guys see any of them happening? Um, what do you like? What do you not like? Regard, I don't – I could see the, the only real tangible trade being the one with the Rockets just because obviously the way the salary cap contract is, you need to fill out your roster where you need to at least pay a certain amount. Um, if I'm the Suns, there's no chance I ever make that trade with the Nets. Uh, I'm not trading for a guy that doesn't like basketball. Um, like just as simple as it is. But do you just uh, let Aiden walk? Uh, I think well, you you're getting because at that point, if you let you're still trading because you have to match salaries in the NBA. I'd rather have the money to fill out the rest of your roster than get Ben Simmons because yeah. honestly, I think we've seen it now from Ben Simmons. It just like he has no no motor, no it's just no it factor. It's just that's what he is. Um. I, I could I, – I mean, I I don't know if the Lake or the, the Suns end up really becoming that much of a better team if they make that trade with the Lakers. I think the Lakers take that, obviously. Um, as much as having AD on the roster is amazing, now you're getting a guy that, yes, when he's healthy, he's amazing, but he's frequently not healthy and they're losing a lot of the role players, which we had talked about. Um, the whole point with the Suns was the hope that now their role players need to elevate into more of those starter caliber players. So now they're running into an even uh, bit, uh, more problematic scenario with their roster. Where how are you going to fill out their roster? Like who's their bench? What's their bench looking like? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I would I would say I agree, except all for the last one. I don't think that the the Lakers are going to do that trade because I don't think that 
the Lakers, or I don't think LeBron want to get, I mean, we shouldn't fucking say Lakers. We just say LeBron. I don't think LeBron wants to get rid of AD because I don't think there's no bubble room without AD. And I don't think there's no Lakers without AD. Um, we saw what LeBron did without AD, without another superstar. He basically sat out for fucking 48 games, more than half the season, I think. And the team is the playoffs. So I don't think that there is a, a LeBron without an AD in LA specifically. Um, I think if LA wants to do that trade, I think they get Le- rid of LeBron as well. I think they let LeBron walk. I think it's one quick question. I didn't mean to interrupt, but if you're the Lakers, obviously LeBron, maybe no, but if you're the Lakers, would you do that trade? Oh God. Yeah. Oh, if I was the Lakers, yeah, I'd completely okay. do that trade yeah. from a, from a basketball All perspective. Right. That's a phenomenal building block trade. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I don't think there's a LeBron, uh, without an AD or another superstar by his side. I think he realized that Westbrook is a fucking bum and that was a terrible trade move on GM move on his part. Um, but I do believe that the Lakers should do that trade if they get it and if LeBron doesn't stay, because I don't think LeBron's going anywhere where there's no possibility of a ring at his age. Yeah, I mean, just looking at these three options from like a base level and not really looking too far into salary, I think the best option uh, for the Suns would be the Rockets. Um, Personally, I mean, AD... When he's healthy is obviously great. Simmons, when he's playing, he can be great. But I think they're just too big of question marks. Um, however, I think those are both great trades for the Nets and Lakers, respectively. I think uh, if you're the Lakers, I mean, obviously this isn't about the Lakers, but um, they got to make some changes. So in terms of the Suns, I think the first option would be the best. I actually think Christian Wood's really good. Um, and put him on a better team, and he, and he can shine even brighter. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't be feeling too comfortable about those, those uh, second and third options uh, if I were the Suns. The one thing I'll ask you guys is even, I mean, we've all kind of said that the Rockets trade makes the most sense for the Suns, but like, I don't see the Rockets ever accepting that trade. If anything, the position they're in is. Let's sign one to two year deals with a lot of guys. Why be locked up with the guy for six to six years or what is it, five years, six years? I believe it's five on the Supermax. Who, let's be honest, like I think you can kind of go through and I think you can name five to seven better big men. Uh, I mean, give or take. Um, so I, it's just they're in a bit of a difficult situation and. You know, their general manager has done a great job forming a roster um, so far, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I wanted to ask what you guys thought regarding that. Yeah, I mean, I think the question, I think that becomes the question, is Aiden worth a Supermax, right? And I really don't believe he is. And so for the Rockets, especially, they love John Wall's contract, right? That thing is fucking heavy. Why would you go get another Supermax guy or try to trade for a Supermax guy um, when he's just going to suck up cap, uh, cap space and you can't build a roster, right? If you're really into John Wall and you're, you know, Jalen Green could be a fucking future superstar. He had a phenomenal rookie year. There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to build around those guys. Um, if you really believe in John Wall, I mean, if you don't believe in John Wall, I wouldn't expect or wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets got rid of him at some point, dump him somewhere off to, to you know, finish his career, taking up so much fucking money. Um but, you know, for the Suns, like, Aiden's, I don't think it's worth that. So I think it's going to be hard to, uh, you know, sign trade Aiden at a Supermax deal or close to a Supermax deal. Well, just yeah, one mean, quick thing is, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but remember, they got a pick for John Wall, too. So, like, that's a big part of it, too. Like, they took on salary. They're, 
they understood that, hey, like we're going to get a pick too. That's why they're eating it with eight and you're just getting eight. Yeah, so here's the thing I think you guys are kind of underrating. The Rockets are in a full rebuild and DeAndre Ayton is 23 years old. The other thing is it's not a super max, it's a max. If they see Ayton as a building block, if they want to pair with Jalen Green and some younger guys through the draft, I I don't I don't see why they wouldn't do this deal. I mean, what what is Christian Wood and Eric Gordon bringing them right now? They're I think if you want, if you're the Rockets, you want to find a young quarter build around. Aiden's a good big man to bring in um, at a max. I could see, I could see that trade happening. Um, the other one I didn't mention is the Trailblazers are um, probably going to try to make an offer for Aiden. I don't know what it would be. Um, the reason I didn't bring them up is because these were the three most intriguing ones to me. Um, but I could see, um, I could see the Blazers going for him. I don't think it would get them anywhere. And I don't know if the Suns would accept it either, but yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, I did see like the Blazers were like, there was some interest with possibly Rudy Gobert. Um, I still don't even know what their plans are with Damian Lillard. Um, there's been a bunch of talk that he's gone or whatnot. I don't know what the future is. I mean, honestly, I think that <coughs> his time is coming gone there, but that's for another, it's for another segment, but I don't really know. At the end of the day, the Suns need to figure out a way if they can somehow um, find some sort of level where they're able to. Because the problem with the sign and trade, it gets really tricky is they need to match salaries or they need to trade them to a really, really bad team. And unless that team feels that Aiton is a cornerstone piece, then that trade may not be made. Yeah, that I think that's. Like the the end of what you just said summarizes what I was about to argue perfectly. Is eight in a cornerstone? Um, could he be a cornerstone piece in a franchise? Um, we know that he kind of is right now at you know at his age. Um, with Chris Paul though, right? Without Chris Paul, we've seen Aiden hasn't been able to produce on his own. Um, and we have always said that Chris Paul kind of unlocks Aiden. So you know, if you're a team looking to get a franchise center. You know, if and if you don't, you don't have a Chris Paul caliber point guard who comes once in a generation. Like, is Aiden really worth that if you want to build around him? Like, do you really guys do you guys really think that Aiden could be um, dominant on his own without um, a really phenomenal point guard? Yeah, I mean that's definitely um, still to be seen. Um, I just think if you're the Rockets, like he's only 23 years old, um, and you're in a rebuild, you wanna you wanna get a young core. I don't think that's a bad trade at all, but at the end of the day, like, I think we all agree the Suns, the Suns could be in trouble here. Um, it, it honestly, to me, looks like they blew it uh, unless they make a huge splash with a sign and trade that we're not really seeing. Um, I mean, if they get Anthony Davis, like, does he stay healthy? Like it, the, the only way uh, that works out is, is if he stays healthy the whole year. Um, and, and then they also have Chris Paul who can't stay healthy. So I don't know. I think their window is, pretty much closed and uh at least with chris paul they can build around you know devin booker cam johnson bridges those guys and maybe in the future um figure it out but i think chris paul's time is done uh to win a ring uh just the last thing i'm going to say is you know specifically regarding the suns and their window is you know you need to capitalize when you're not paying players a premier money and that's where windows open and they close. And now they've caught, now they're in a situation where 
these guys' contracts are getting up and they're kind of screwed. Like, that's just how it is. Like, if you look at, like, the NFL, like, the teams that win are either playing with veteran QBs that aren't making a bunch or they're winning with rookie quarterbacks, like elite rookie quarterbacks on rookie deals uh, young, or young quarterbacks on rookie deals. So the same thing with the NBA. It's all, it's all based upon, you know, who you draft, who are your role players, who are your veterans and who you're not paying that are top performers. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. We can close the segment now. Um, Fog, if you want to, you know, talk your shit to me, um, you know, we had our little friendly wager, so I'll take, I'll take the heat. What, what do you got? Uh, I mean, Hey, listen, no, no shit to talk. I mean, I just wanted my little moment where I was right and Jordan was wrong. Uh, nah, but uh, I mean, listen, like I will say the Suns looked a little compromised. Like CP probably wasn't healthy and sometimes he isn't, but he's 37. Like he's an older guy. Uh, I was shocked how bad Devin Booker played. He really just, boy, he, he's just, and just my internal power rankings, he really dropped. I just, you know. and I, Seemed like he it, couldn't create a shot. I, 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 it seems like when you really think about it and you look at the only time Devin Booker's ever really won has been with CP and older CP makes you think like, Hey, like this guy may just be a two, like he's got a, that's another guy who needs to get better. Um, but Hey, I mean, Luca's just special. Uh, he, after that series, he may have vaulted up the number two best player in the league right behind Giannis. Uh, Boy, that, that Mavs team is interesting, uh, the way they're constructed. They're, like, really, really modern the way they play. Um, and don't sleep on uh, – don't sleep on their two big men. They uh, they contribute big time. They're real underrated. I think the probably the most underrated big men duo in the league. Yeah, I think uh, something that I wanted to ask, I think seeing how the Suns went out, um, losing by such a wide margin – and obviously a lot of the blame being directed on Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Um, I was just curious what you guys think about the Mavericks team and how much of it was up to them rather than just some sort of Suns implosion. Um, obviously, Luca's playing at an extremely high level. Um, but, I mean, maybe maybe the Mavericks team as a whole deserves a little bit more respect. I think a lot of the focus is, is on just the Suns and, and how they blew it, but um, – Obviously, part of this has to be credited to the Mavericks. Yeah, I, I think that's a phenomenal point. I completely agree. Uh, the way they adjusted uh, defensively, um, it was just really impressive. And I think they're still being underrated even in this Warrior series. Um, they, they, they have a chance to, to win this whole thing. I mean, the thing is, I have to give some blame to CP and Book because – you're the stars. I mean, the defense at some point just shouldn't bother you. And I think that's why we're, you know, talking so much about the Suns and not the Mavs is because they played so bad. It's not like, you know, the Mavs bothered them here and there. They completely shut them down, took them out of the game and beat them by 40. Um, so I, I do think the Mavs did a great job and they do deserve credit. But I just I'm, I'm more disappointed in the Suns than I am impressed with the Mavs. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is, uh, and I know I've touched on him before, but like Spencer Dinwiddie, how big was that pickup? Um, he's perfect off the bench, swap him with Luca when he sits. And Dinwiddie allows the Mavericks to stay afloat 
because the biggest problem with the Mavericks is what happens when Luca sits. And now they're able to maintain the game when he's out, and it's a whole different team. Like, they're really good when they have Luca on the floor, and if you, they can stay level when he's off, like, it, it makes things really interesting. Yeah, um, I think I think we'll end it there. I mean, the Mavs, uh, they, they did a great job, and their roster is, like you said, it, it's really good uh, with, with the addition of Dinwiddie and the emergence of Brunson. So we'll see how it goes going forward. But, um, yeah, great segment, great pod, boys. Uh, we will be back uh, in a couple of days. Max is still going to be out for the next one, but um, we're going to be back, uh, probably talk some NBA draft next time. So thank you all for listening.